Holda was. H-U-L-D-A-H. Holda. How many know whether she's a... Well, I just told you. I'm trying to see how many knew whether she was a... Uh, whether it, uh, whether Holda is a male or female, but I slipped up. It's a lady. And uh, does anybody here remember her? Okay. It's a very important lady. Oh, you remember, Andrew? He got it. Josiah. That is correct. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 34. We find her story in Second Kings 22, 14 through 20, Second Chronicles 34, and we'll just look at uh, the story in Second Chronicles. Josiah, if you remember, was the boy king. He was the grandson of Manasseh, the most wicked king ever to reign in the history of the people of Israel. He was worse than Ahab. He was worse than all of the other kings. And yet, Manasseh repented in his prison cell, and he was brought back and actually restored to the kingdom. The only king that ever had that happen. Yet God said, because of the sins of Manasseh, judgment was going to come upon the city of Jerusalem. The city would be destroyed. And uh, uh, Manasseh, we find in the last part of, of uh, chapter 33, and he was brought back to the city of Jerusalem. His son Ammon, verse 21 was 22 years old when he began to reign and reigned two years in Jerusalem, but he followed in the sins of his father. In fact, it tells us that in verse 23, and humbled not himself before the Lord as Manasseh, his father had humbled himself, but Ammon trespassed more and more, and his servants conspired against him and slew him in his own house. That's how horrible things were. Ammon just kept going more and more in the direction his own servant said, we can't have this. They paid the ultimate price. It says, but the people of the land slew all them that conspired against King Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah his son to be king in his stead. Verse 1 of chapter 34, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Now, eight years old. Let me see. Ruth Ann, right? Okay, why don't you stand up? That's eight years old. Now, I know sometimes it feels like we have an eight-year-old governor, eight-year-old. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? But that's not true. They're all grown men and women, and they have no excuse for behaving the way they do. We need to pray for them. Amen. That's what this part of this service is about. But how many of you would like an eight-year-old king? President of the United States, eight years old. Now, granted, if they could thank the Lord for the Bible and his provision at five years old, like Philip just did, it might be an improvement. Amen. But all seriousness aside, what is an eight-year-old king going to do? Absolutely nothing. 
It's going to be other people who are going to run the kingdom. And so here we have Josiah coming to the kingdom at eight years old. When he turns 16, he says, I want to rebuild the temple. That's what verse 3 tells us. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the Lord. And in the twelfth year of his reign, when he was 20, uh, he be, or sorry, what's 12 and 8? Would be 20. Yeah, there we go. Uh, he began to purge Jerusalem and from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And so once he was old enough to begin to make decisions, he began to make decisions that were right. It was Josiah. How many of you remember the um, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat? Does anybody remember the rest of his sobriquet? Who made Israel to sin. He went to Bethel. And in fulfillment of the prophecies of the unnamed man of God, destroyed that place and desecrated it so that it would never be used as a place of false sacrifice again. And uh, this was Josiah. And they began the process of cleansing the temple and rebuilding the temple there in Jerusalem. And they found in the temple, could you imagine this, a copy of God's Word. Things had gotten so bad that even the priest... Now, there were people who were still preserving the Word of God. They had their societies, but Josiah and the priest and no one, they found in the temple a copy of the Word of God. Now, let's go down and just read this here. Verse 14 and of chapter 34, we haven't got to Holda yet. We're going to get to her in just a moment. And when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan and Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again, saying, All that was committed to thy servants, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and delivered it unto the hands of the overseers and to the hands of the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. Now, this is almost comical to me. Here we have the priest finding a book of the law of God. And he says, I don't know what to do with it. Gives it to the scribe. The scribe says, I don't know what to do with it. Maybe we'll take it to the king. And they go back and forth and and report on all the other things that they're doing. And finally, the last thing on the agenda. Well, let's read this thing and see what it says. Boy, that is an indictment on how far down the people of Israel the Jewish people living in Jerusalem at this time had gone, even though they were doing right, the word of God was the last thing that was paid attention to. And when they read it, all of a sudden everybody got afraid because in that word of God was judgment for sin. You know what? You cannot read this book called the Bible 
and not come into direct contact with judgment for sin. Amen? It's just there. It's on every page. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? He suffered our judgment for us. We would not know about God's love if it were not for God's judgment and holiness. Amen? It's all connected. Now, what people do is they read about judgment and they say, Oh, God doesn't love us. He hates us. And they run right back to their sin and do more worse things than they did before. Now, that's not good grammar, but that does describe what goes on now, doesn't it? And so, as they have this book and they read it, finally, the king says, and it's the king, the young king, He's trying to do right, which goes to show you, if you will determine in your heart that you want to serve God, God will make a way that you can. Amen? That's where Hulda comes in. You see, Josiah lived in a hopeless day, in a hopeless situation, did he not? We'll we'll get to that in just a minute. Let's read on. And so in verse 20, the king commanded Hilkiah and Ahikim and uh, Shaphan and Abaddon, the son of Micah, and Shaphan the scribe and Asiah the servant, the king, servant, a servant of the king, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me. And for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in this book. And Hilkiah and they that the king had appointed went to... Now we finally meet our lady that we're going to look at her life. And we're not going to find very much about her in the Bible except... To Hoda, the prophetess, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvath, the son of Hasrah, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they spake to her to that effect. It's interesting. Jeremiah was a prophet of great note among the children of Israel. He says in the first chapter of his book, that he began to prophesy in the 13th year of King Josiah. We're now in the 18th year of King Josiah. So Jeremiah's been around for five years, but where do they go? They go to someone who has been faithful, and we can't be dogmatic on everything, but it talks like Hobda's been around for a long time now, doesn't it? She's been around for years. She was there in Jerusalem, the keeper of the king's wardrobe. Now, that's a fairly important job. That's what her husband did. What she did was try to serve God. Amen? And when the priest and the scribe, I mean, these are the highest religious officials in all of Jewry, or the Jewish religion, where do they go? They go to see this lady. That tells me she had a testimony of holiness and wanting to serve God. Amen? Even when there is no hope, 
There's always hope if we'll obey God's word. Now, Josiah was one of those unusual characters in the Bible. She's going to tell him in just a few minutes that he's going to be gathered to his people in peace. And I I want to study this out a little bit more, but Josiah died at the hand of Pharaoh, meddling in a battle that he shouldn't have been involved in. And and if I'm wrong about this, I'll I'll go back, but uh, I believe that Josiah is a picture of someone who had God's word and he disobeyed it. In fact, Pharaoh told him, listen, you let me fight my battle. You stay out of it. God doesn't want you to fight this battle. Even Pharaoh told him that. And Josiah said, no, I'm going to fight anyway. I'm going to be a great warrior. And he missed out on the blessings that God had for him. We can disobey God's will, can't we? Just because you start out right doesn't mean you have to finish right. The only guarantee is obedience to God's word when? Today. We can't go back in the past and change what's back there. And as much as you like to think that you will be whatever you want to be whenever you finally get there to be whatever it is you want to be, that's not going to happen if you don't do it today. And this is the story of Huldah. Let's see what she had to say, okay? They went to her. They told her that we understand from the word of God that God's judgment is against us. Now, what do you have to say? Give us some direction. And she answered them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell ye the man that sent you to me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place. She's a very positive lady, by the way. And upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the curses that are written in the book, which they have read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be poured out upon this place and shall not be quenched. Norman Vincent Peale would have been proud. Amen. He's the positive thinker. Uh, for those of you that don't remember him, I don't think he thinks too positive right now. Because if you don't understand God's judgment, you'll never find God's forgiveness. Her message was God's judgment is coming, just like the word of God said. This city is going to be destroyed. The inhabitants of this city are going to reap the rewards of the wickedness of their grandparents and the people who have done these things. It says Manasseh filled Jerusalem with the blood of the innocents. That God would not wipe that out. He would, Jerusalem would be destroyed. Now look at verse 26. And as for the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall ye say unto him, Thus saith the Lord of God, of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God, when thou heardest his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humbled thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes, and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord, 
Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word again. Now this is all we know of Huldah. This is why you haven't heard of her. Uh, she's not one of the famous people in the Bible. She doesn't have a great big uh, thing all written about page after page of the Bible like King Josiah. But she was at the place where she was supposed to be at the appointed time. And she gave King Josiah encouragement to obey the word of God. Now, what did King Josiah do? He took her word and said, listen, we're going to obey the word of God as long as I'm alive. That's where the hope is. Amen. He went out, and if you'll read the rest of this passage, he stood by the pillar. There was a pillar in the temple complex that Solomon had built. That's where the king was supposed to stand when they read the word of God. He went back, and Josiah, remember we're a couple hundred years after the time Solomon lived about 900. We're now uh, right about 625, 630 A.D. in that time period there. So roughly 300 years later, here we have Josiah standing at the place that Solomon ordained for the king to stand. And I want you to read some of these words here. Let's uh, go down, verse 31. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes. Now you say, why does the Bible talk about his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes and all of these things? Because God's word and God's law was a multifaceted thing. You have the commandments, the Ten Commandments. You have all of the ritual that involved the temple worship. You had the feast days. You had the personal living standards. You had all of these different parts of God's law. As we learned in Sunday school this morning, God wanted his people to build their lives every moment of every day around obedience to his word. And the king is saying, listen, we're not going to just obey the part that deals with what we do when we come to the temple to worship. We're not going to just deal with the part of personal holiness and personal cleanliness in our lives. We are going to obey the whole thing. Now, I like this next verse, verse 32. And he caused all that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand to it. Now, don't you just like that? Who says the Bible is hard to understand? Is there anybody that misses what it means to stand to it? I mean, this was the king speaking. He was no longer an eight-year-old boy. He said, if you're going to live here in Jerusalem, you're going to obey the word of God or else. Now, when the king says or else, you better watch out because or else could be a pretty horrible thing, couldn't it? I mean, he had already been to Bethel. Does anybody remember what he did there? The false priest. He, he put them to death. He, Josiah was not a man that was messing around. He wanted to follow God's word. And 
his desire to follow God's word was in response to the prophecy, the testimony of this woman named Huldah. She'd been around long enough. The high priest, scribes, the highest people who were uh, had seen all the wickedness of Manasseh and Ammon and all of these things, they went to her. That tells us she'd been around a while. She'd been faithful. Amen? That's something we need to learn. And she was not candy-coating her message for the king. I mean, her prophecy, uh, as, as far as, I mean, just to use our terminology, she was rough. I mean, she was, she was right down the road. She didn't make it nice. She didn't uh, say, now, Sonny, let's, let's understand we need to serve the Lord. She said, God's going to destroy this city. But if you'll keep your heart humble and serve God, it's not going to happen in your day. You want Josiah did? He took encouragement. He didn't get discouraged at God's word. You know, the Bible tells us judgment is coming, doesn't it? Now, you can get discouraged and you can say, well, we're doing the best we can. What more does God expect? Well, wait a minute. God has a right to expect anything he wants. That's part of being God. We're not here to correct him. We're here to obey him. You humble yourself before God. By the way, that's how you get saved. Amen. God's judgment is coming. Read the book of Revelation. I praise God. There's a verse in the Bible that in the book of Thessalonians that he's going to save us from the wrath to come. Amen. Get saved now. You don't have to worry about it then. But just as Huldah gave the word, Josiah took that rebuke and allowed it to funnel him, to move him, to serve God more earnestly. It's a sad testimony that his time in the land of Judah where were the men? They weren't doing the job. We just came back from the mighty men of valor meeting. I'll tell you what, if anything about Holder's life ought to be lifted up, we need some men to be men. Amen? To stand up and do what's right. If you're just floundering around trying to get through life, you don't have anything left over to leave. I'm sorry, you don't. you got to get past that. That's what being a man is all about. Being able to stand up and serve the Lord. And by the way, ladies, just as much as we need godly men, we need godly ladies. Where would the nation of Israel have been if Huldah hadn't been there? The men were all gone. God had Huldah. She was there. And we have got to get a hold of this book called the Bible. Just start living. Amen. That starts when you get saved. And it ends when you get to heaven. One of our greatest needs is prayer. 118 this morning. That's good. But where are they tonight? Don't be discouraged. 
pray more. Amen. And so we have Hodah. The only thing we know, she was a prophetess. She was the wife of a guy named Shalom. We have his heritage. We don't have hers. We don't know much about her other than she spoke for, let's count them up. One, two, three, four, five, six. Her whole life is given to us in six verses, seven verses of the Bible. That she was where she was supposed to be, doing what she was supposed to do, when she was supposed to do it, and an entire nation experienced revival in obedience to God's word because she was where she was supposed to be. Amen? Let's be where we're supposed to be. Let's learn from this unknown person and be the person that God wants us to be. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Hulda. We thank you for her testimony. We thank you for her faithfulness. Lord, we know so little about her, but we're thankful that we can see what she had a great part in bringing to pass for her people. And Lord, we ask that you would make us faithful, that you would help us to just continually serve you. Lord, we pray that our church would have a testimony that when people are looking for the Bible and what it says, they'd come here. We pray that the people of our church would have the testimony that they're not playing games there. They're living for God. We ask you to work in our hearts and convict us. Help us to understand your judgment that we may live in your love. In your name we pray. Amen.